Hi guys, this is Kundai speaking and you're listening to Medics Motive. This is the next episode in the Healthcare Leadership Academy conference series, so a big shout out to the sponsors, the MDU and Medics Academy. In this episode, we have Dr. Ben Dean, who will introduce himself in a moment, but is currently an orthopedic registrar from Oxford and an advocate for transparency within healthcare policymaking and regulations. To hear more about his motivations, his freedom of information work against the general regulatory chambers, on process, the outcome-based motivations, listen in. So today I am here with Ben Dean, who I'm going to ask to introduce himself um, in terms of what you're doing and why you're here today. Hi, so I'm an orthopaedic registrar in Oxford. I am just coming to the end of my orthopaedic trainings. My background is that I went to medical school in Oxford. I trained, I went to Australia for a year, having done a year's kind of general training in Australia and came back and did my specialty training here with a PhD in Oxford along the way. So I haven't really done much work outside Oxford. Oxford is home. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Um, Okay, so firstly, why did you decide to go into medicine? I was just really interested in science as a kid. I liked science in general and medicine was just the subject that really interested me the most. And actually, when I went to medical school, I didn't really know if I wanted to be a doctor or not. I just found medicine really interesting. And the fact I ended up quite enjoying treating patients was, you know, I had something I had no concept that I would. Medicine was just the only anything really that interested me. If I hadn't done medicine, I think I could have done some other kind of scientific subject. I forget that a good proportion of people would go into medicine with hopes of becoming a doctor. But going into it for just the subject itself is quite a motivating factor and it should be as recognisable a reason of going into medicine, I think. I think you're right because if you look at the diversity of careers after a medical degree just within medicine, they're quite huge. Mm. And a lot of those don't actually involve direct patient contact. So I, you know, I don't know what medical stu- schools do in terms of describing medicine, but actually we should probably be encouraging people into it who don't necessarily want to deal with patients every day because a lot of people don't and if you're really enthusiastic about the subject and that's something that will kind of carry you through your career really if you enjoy it if you're enthusiastic that's the most important thing because you want to get out of bed in the morning when you have your hard days when you have your rubbish weeks you'll still derive satisfaction from it yeah i guess part of that is highlighting how medicine is is not just about being a doctor you can take that medicine and do the end goal is, in essence, to improve healthcare in general. So eventually you'll use that degree in doing something meaningful with that. It doesn't necessarily have to be as a doctor, or it can be a doctor in something else. Yeah, I mean, it depends how, how honest or you know, what, your pers- what you think your personal motivations are. I mean, so maybe we don't even know what motivates us particularly. We just do, I've just generally followed what I've enjoyed. It's not that I particularly, my primary aim is to help people. That's just not true. I wouldn't do medicine if I didn't enjoy it. If it was just about helping people, I gave, you know, derive no satisfaction from that myself. It's kind of part of the way we, we're made up is that we enjoy treating patients. It gives us a sense of satisfaction, but also we enjoy the subject and the fact it's so diverse and contains, you know, so many different facets. Mm. It cuts across medicine, you know, it cuts across between science, technology, the social sciences. It just encompasses so much, so many bits of everything. Yeah, definitely. So why did you go into orthopaedics? So again, I just tried things out and then did what I enjoyed. So in Australia, I did a bit of, a little bit of orthopaedics, a fair bit of general surgery, 
because I'd done my house officer jobs and I much preferred the surgical job to the medical job. Mm. And then in Australia, I did a bit of surgery, a bit of A&E. I quite enjoyed A&E as well, actually. I think if our, the Australian system was so good to work in, I'd happily do A&E in the UK if it was similar, but it's not. But uh, I enjoyed the surgery I did there, so then I just did a surgical, general surgical rotation and ended up choosing orthopaedic. So they're pretty good role models. I, I kind of encountered quite early on in Oxford. There's some very motivated, kind of very enthusiastic, engaging people. I, you know, kind of got in, got in touch with, and they kind of just inspire you to mm. do that thing. But I already had a kind of natural, innate enjoyment for the kind of surgical specialties more than the medical specialties, and then just kind of follow that path, I guess. Yeah, sounds like you your motivations are very much based on process as opposed to outcome. I think so because I think comes comes down to maybe your philosophy of life in general mm. i think if you focus too much on outcome you're going to be sadly disappointed quite yeah. a lot of the time i think you know fundamentally we're all going to die the human species will become extinct at some point so we might as well enjoy our time here you never quite know what's around the corner i mean you see you know friends and family members get really unlucky with accidents or terminal disease at a young age and you think well you never know when that's going to come for you so you really should try and enjoy things as, as best you can because mm. you never quite know what's going to happen in the future it's quite a good way to live your life really definitely and is it more important for leaders to base their motivations on process or outcome because leaders they tend to want a change or an improvement on something so that's mainly an outcome but then process is so important on an individual level does that translate into leadership i think it's very tricky I think you probably, it very much depends what you're managing or trying to lead, because in some areas it's very hard to measure an outcome that's of any meaning to anyone. Mm -hmm. And if you try and measure outcomes and rely on it too much, even the process of measuring them can then influence the outcomes. And you have to be very careful, I guess, in system management, in the way that you measure and monitor the system doesn't influence the system too much itself. You've seen the classic example with accident emergency targets mm. it's very easy to improve the performance to the one target but actually you need to look at the whole system more holistically and actually if you see the the kind of whole structure as a, a big kind of living system really should we just be concentrating more on the environment within the system and then if you have the environment right that's kind of like getting your ingredients right then everything will click into place automatically mm. rather than focusing too much on the outcome so translating this towards the NHS, what kind of environment do you think provides a perfect ingredient mix for for change? You kind of need to get the environment right for a system to function well. That's kind of a woolly answer, but I think if the environment's right and people are can you know if the patients and the staff are happy. You don't need to worry too much about the outcomes because in by its nature the outcomes are probably going to be pretty good in most things that's not always the case there are exceptions but actually there are certain things that are pretty good surrogate markers for the system working well mm. you don't need to micromanage and measure outcomes in absolutely everything not only is it expensive and time consuming but also there are problems with what you measure then becomes the thing that people focus on rather than the actual important thing but I think in the NHS, I think the way to improve the culture really is the only way that can really make progress, I think, is if 
those running the system have genuine autonomy. If people are ordered from the top by people who don't have much accountability for what they're ordering people to do, then it's very hard for them, people beneath them, to kind of to move things forward in a way that's in the best interests of the majority of people, which is what a system should do. Mm. Perfect. Thank you for that. So moving on to why you're here with the Healthcare Leadership Academy, what will you be speaking about or have you spoken about? So I just had a bit of a ramble about my freedom of information work. Can we get some more rambling? <laughs> so was, my first requests were back in about 2005 or so when I when there was a medical training reform called Modernising Medical Careers. Mm. Probably a lot of people won't have heard of it, but the government basically introduced it fairly unilaterally. And we exposed that actually the motivations for that weren't actually improving training. It was about introducing a subconsultant grade and avoiding contract negotiations with the BMA. So that was just my first free information request. And since then, I've kind of made a fair few requests to various public bodies, mostly on matters of you know, NHS and medical training. And it's kind of led, led me on a quite an interesting experience because into the higher the general regulatory chamber, which is the higher court that makes decisions about uh, the kind of final appeal process on free information requests. I've managed to win against the GMC, against their QC back in 2014, I think it was. Mm. And we've had, had a few tribunal cases since then, haven't won them all. But it's just been about that kind of journey personally, but then how that my kind of journey has shaped my beliefs and I'm a kind of firm believer in openness and transparency in all matters relating to health policy and policy in general I think. I think openness and transparency are really important for even just doctors seeing their patients on the ground. It's really important we're open and transparent. We do a better job when we know we're accountable, when we know the patient knows all the information, mm. when we can hide things from patients and do things in a paternalistic fashion, things go badly. That's why the doctor-patient relationship has moved on from being this you know, regressive paternalistic model. I think we need to do the same in policy making. I think we need far more openness, far more transparency in health policy. Okay. And what, so what kind of information can you request through this Freedom of Information Act? So you can request absolutely anything you, you want from a public body. So all government bodies, so number 10, Department of Health, all those bodies are subject to the Information Act. Your local hospital trust, they're subject to the Information Act. Mm. Anyone can make a request, and it can be on anything you want. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's a valid request, because the bodies can refuse requests if they're deemed to be related to matters of national security, if they relate to an individual's information. But if it's a general reasonable request then most public a lot of public bodies will just give you the information outright it's very easy very easy and quick to do okay so this brings me to the cheesy puzzle wisdom so what are your top three cheesy puzzle wisdom that you'd have to give um, to the medical students or to people who might who might think about going into medical policy but might be afraid of um, for example going against big organizations like the gmc something cheesy motivating and inspiring it's a bit cheesy motivating stuff. Okay. <laughs> so I reckon the first thing is just enjoy what you do. Mm. Don't do things because of peer pressure or 
because you think people want you to do something or you think you should do it and if you follow what you enjoy you'll have this motivation that will just drive you mm. in a nice healthy way you'll enjoy what you do so that's one mm. enjoy what you do i think don't ignore your gut instinct because your gut instinct's often right i think our conscious brain excuse the psychological ramble our conscious brain is often very deceptive and what we say our motivations are often aren't what we say the reasons for doing various things are, are often not true mm -hmm. we don't we don't really even understand why we're doing things sometimes so your gut instinct's vital i mean you even in just basic math basic clinical practice if you think a patient's sick they're probably sick even mm -hmm. if you can't even if the numbers don't say or the blood tests don't say if something's wrong in your gut when your child's ill, you think there's just something not quite right here, or the, the nurse is worried. It's their gut instinct. Don't ignore your gut. Don't mm. ignore your experience. I think that's really important. Definitely. Because I've a lot of what I've done has been motivated by just my natural stubbornness and my gut instinct to just kind of try and do what I think is right. And then number three, I'd say. Don't be afraid to really piss people off <laughs> because too much harm is done by pe good people staying silent. And I think we're seeing with the NHS today more and more people, the culture is slowly changing and more and more people are speaking out. Mm. So obviously, sometimes you can't speak out because you'll lose your job. And there's certain ways you, you should speak out. If you do speak out, do it thoughtfully, plan it do it in the right way in a considerate fashion and don't get yourself into legal trouble but actually to speak out and don't be if, you, if what you're doing you think is right and sensible and the best thing to do and the right thing to do to speak out mm. and encourage people to do that because you'll be surprised actually a lot of people will support you who you didn't think may necessarily would have supported you mm. and when i um pissed off a lot of people by making various requests on various you know the shape of training for example actually since then loads of very senior consultants and senior people have come up to me and just congratulated me and said i really admire what you've done uh just to keep doing it and i wouldn't have expected some of the people to have congratulated me mm -hmm. and i didn't do it to get congratulation i just did it because i kind of enjoyed I kind of, yeah, I enjoy pissing people off sometimes. <laughs> but that's not because I enjoy pissing people off per se. It's because I think they're doing something that's wrong mm. and it's harmful. Needs to be so I think, Yeah, so I think if you think you're doing something right and in you know, the greater good, don't be afraid to piss people off. Okay. So let me try to echo those back to you. Enjoy what you do. Follow your gut instinct. Don't be afraid to piss people off. Once again, thank you, Ben, for your time. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to the MDU, Medics Academy, the HLA, and until next time, this was Kundai on Medics Motive.